Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. G'day and welcome to the Farms Vice Podcast with your host, Jack Creswell. Whether you farm it, service it, or just love it, this podcast is for you. We'll bring you the techniques and technologies you can implement into your day straight from the leaders and innovators themselves. Spread the Farms Vice so that we can reach more farmers right across Australia. Follow us on all of your socials at Farms Vice and let's get into this episode. Welcome to the Farms Advice podcast for today's episode. We have partnered with Grain Producers Australia to bring you the much-needed conversations of moving the needle for grain producers. We'll discover what drives grain producers, how they're positioned within the global markets, and we'll be kicking it off with Chair Barry Large. I'd also like to thank Colin Bettles for supporting this podcast and for the value that he sees within it, sharing this vital information about grain producers and how it can impact the industry. So let's get into this episode. I'm Colin Bettles. I'm the Chief Executive of Grain Producers Australia, and we're pleased to be working and partnering with Jack Creswell and the Farms Advice podcast. Grain Producers Australia represents Australian grain farmers and we work to deliver a more profitable and sustainable industry and getting the message out about what we actually do for growers through the Farms Advice podcast we think is a great way, probably mostly because Jack himself is also a farmer and he's speaking to other farmers with what he's doing with Farms Advice podcast. We think it's a great initiative, so whether you're sitting back in your header or if you're driving in the car from, from one town to another, and you're listening to the Farms Advice podcast, and you like the work that GPA does, then feel free to get in and support us and support Jack, and together we can help make our industry stronger and more profitable and sustainable. Thank you. G'day, Barry, and welcome to the Farms Advice podcast. As we've partnered up with GPA, Grain Producers Australia, thank you very much for coming on. 
Yeah, thanks, Jack. Pleasure to be here, really. Absolutely. And even greater to dive into the world of grain producers and what they're up to and what's happening and what really impacts them and makes them so driven to continue to be more abrupt with everything going on across the world, but also to improve their farms is what we're trying to get done on Farms Wise podcast. So it's great to have you on as a farmer, but also you're the vice chair of GPA. I'm actually the chair now, but um, yeah, look, every day for GPA is um, a bigger day than the day before because we're still evolving and um, we're, we're finding our footings and, and we're putting on staff and, and we just keep moving forward, really. And um, it's, I've been lucky enough to be in, with GPA since it was formed 11 odd years ago. I was a founding director. Um, so I've watched it develop and we've been through a few tight times and, and um, no doubt we'll go through a few more. But the most important thing is, is to um, represent growers. And that's what we're um, pretty strong on, Jack. Yeah, great stuff. And always, as a grower, uh, we grow a little bit, but not that's not our dominant element for it. It's great to know that they are supported in the back end, right through to policy down in Canberra, uh, which is what Colin is so passionate about, is trying to get farmers' thoughts out there and get them really moving to move the dial for us farmers right across Australia. Absolutely. Look, um, the government is crying out for um, to want to know what the people think. Um, and and our our area is agriculture, and it and we're let's face it, every day where there's less of us around, so we're all running um, multi million dollar businesses, and um, you've got to have the aptitude to be able to do that in itself, yeah. alone putting up with the rain and and um, market conditions. So it's really up to us to um, have a voice, and and replicate that through to the government so that they can um, sort of value add to us and provide the right information going forward because um, it's, it's, it's all about feeding the people, whether the people be in Australia or somewhere else. And um, that's how us guys make our living and that's what we enjoy and that's what our families have enjoyed for some for multiple generations. So um, give the government good signals means good results for all of us. 100%. And I think agriculture, farmers, uh, as an industry, are nearly some of the only industries not to strike about their workplace at currently because I think farmers have been starting to be more proactive themselves rather than going on strike like a few other sectors out there just because the intense pressure of what the pandemic's brought on the health system as well. But for farmers, we've been under pressure to get the crops off at the quality that it needs to be right across Australia from WA to East Coast as well. Um, so the pressure's been there, but for farmers to be resilient in that as well has been pretty amazing. Yeah, look, I think you you raise a good point. And particularly mixed farmers, you know, what do you do? Oh, you shut the door. Someone's still got to check the sheep. Yeah. They, they need to make sure they've got something to drink and something to eat. And um, like the, all of us... Um, so I think there's a there's a lot of um, emotion in it that growers we, we we all do what we do because we love doing what we do. Um, uh, if we most probably wanted the best return for our dollars invested, we might not be um, 
that that interested, but there's a lot more to it than that. This is how a lot of us have been brought up, and and um, this is how we, we would like to bring our families up. And and um, with it goes a lot more than that. I mean, we're talking about core values of country people. Yeah. And and the value is is that um, you do unto others, say and do to you. Yeah, hundred percent. Yep. Well, right. And, get out and do it. Great to have you on, nonetheless. Let's get into a bit of agribusiness for yourself. Tell us about your farm and what you're up to there at the moment and maybe how your harvest went in 21. Yeah, okay. I farm 200 k's north of Perth, Western Australia, 100 kilometres off the coast. Um, we had a tremendous harvest. We um, had a smattering of frost, but nothing too much to worry about. So we escaped that one. Um, but it was a, a very big harvest with yields sort of 25, 30% above average, um, which I've not seen in my farming life. So, and good market prices this year. So we've done very well. I may, um, um, our farm would be two generations yeah. old and um, we, we have increased our holding over time and, and, and because that's what you seem to do in this industry. Um, and we've had a big harvest. It was from sort of beginning of October with export aid through to through the canola, barley and oats, finishing off on the wheat about the 20th of December. Um, so everyone enjoyed a bit of a break after that. But it's been a season that we'd like to see a bit more of. I think concerning things going into 2022 season is the commodity um, input prices fertiliser and um, chemicals are and supply really um, is a concern. It's a well-known fact that um, prices of these inputs parallel to the prices that we're receiving for our commodities, but this time it's sort of decile 9, 10 yeah. um, up there. So we could undo all our hard work in one year um, if it wasn't to give us a um, at least an average season. So that's what we do. Um, and we deal with, my farm is complemented with a um, 10,000 um, head sheep flock. Um, still pretty, like, like the idea of growing a bit of wool and having a few sheep. Sort of taught that um, running sheep meant you were looking after your country, as long as you're not running too many, of course, but we spread our sheep out over best part of um, 11,000 hectares. So they, so we're not, we're not overstocked. So yeah. it, it complements the, the game too. So our lesser paddocks we'll put into sheep this year because of the commodity prices and and our better cropping paddocks that have returned well will keep cropping. And um, we've all had a holiday, which is great. My guys, I'm lucky to um, have three full-time employees that um, stay with me through thick and thin, which is good. And um, they've all had holidays and we will definitely look for a couple of casuals to put the crop in. Labour is a concern in the rural areas. We um, are all working far too many hours these days, unfortunately, but we get on with the job. And that's the most important thing, Jog. That's what farmers are resilient about. They get on with yeah. the job and we just do it. Yeah, I think like whether or not we have the labour there, we actually have to get that crop off as well. And especially when it is a great year for it and your crop's looking pretty good and it's starting to turn, uh, there's no room to sort of panic about labour shortage. You have to just get in there and get it done. Um, but also thinking about not driving yourself into the ground, doing 36 hours straight 
hopefully we can avoid that as farmers um, and work together to get it all done. I think you're right in your comment then. Look, we all push the boundaries on the hours, but we have to make sure that we're safe and we have to protect our, our crews on our farm and our families. Families survive on family labour and we need to... Um, we need to just manage it. You're right. We need to manage it. And and you know what? Things have a habit of working out. Yeah. It takes an extra two weeks to harvest. It takes us an extra two weeks. That's how yes, it so is. I think like consistency is key. So if you do 12 hours, just keep it at 12 hours and don't bust your ass just to get it in time. Um, the family will be there to support you, no doubt. So it's really important throughout harvest. And I saw that with our harvest series last year. So Great to see. But for yourself, like as a WA farmer, what's the what's your thinking about this year's crop going in to the ground? You've got the moisture there over in the west. Oh, look at some there's a bit of um there's a bit few storms around at the moment, but generally yeah. haven't had any run. Um and and the west coast is a little bit different to the east coast. I I particularly would rather no summer rain. It means we don't have summer weeds. Our water holding capacity in our soils is far different to the east coast. Um, and generally, if we don't have summer rains, then when it starts raining, it rains well. It gives us a good winter pattern. So at the moment, um, we're just starting to prepare paddocks and prepare machinery and move a few more rocks out of the way and and um, just go about our business of um, getting ready, cart a bit of lime, a bit of soil um, management and and um, get some um, fertiliser in the sheds and, yeah, shear a few sheep. Just just go along quietly um, so everyone is recharging the batteries, getting back to this labour thing, Jack. Yeah, definitely. I think, and also I think people sort of pass planting season, seeding season, whatever you may call it, um, as if it's not as big as harvest time, but it's probably even bigger because you're trying to get your crop in the ground so you can get that harvest. Um, so it's just as big as harvest time, I think, and just a little less dusty. There's always, there's always something to do on a farm. <laughs> it just doesn't appear to be a quiet time anymore, but you just get to slow down a little bit. But there's always, so that's that's our plan. We're, we're, we're always getting to do that. And um, yeah, we that'll keep us busy and we just prepare. And the better we're prepared, the better we'll be when, when it does rain and it goes in and everyone's not as stressed as um, can be. Yeah, if you start knocking off those jobs each day leading up with your maintenance, maintenance can creep up to you if you put it in your back pocket and don't really think about it until a couple of weeks before and you have that last-minute panic that a lot of us have gone through. I'm very big on one percenters, yep. and um, that might be as sim simple as putting the grease gun back where it's meant to be so that um, when you need it, you can find it. And, um, yeah, I'm very big on that. Barry does a bit of ranting about that sort of thing. Yeah. But, um, but you know what? You look after the one percenters and then the big ones don't seem to happen as often. So, once again, preparation, getting ready for putting the crops in is, is our goal at the moment. And generally, um, there'll be a few trips for myself, dealing with a few agri-politics away that sort of um, give the boys a bit of a rest for me and... They just tick along getting everything ready. Yeah, great stuff. And then really starts to set you up for both planting season and also harvest. So for yourself, your second generation, it was your parents that 
got into farming. What makes yourself as the second gen love farming the most? Yeah, no, we'll we'll farming strong in in my my breeding, and um, my dad was a farmer, and so was my granddad. So so farming is um, very important. It's in my genes, and my little boy, it's in his, and I think it's actually in my girls too. To be honest, they all um, care about the farm, and um, that so. Yeah, it, it, it is a lifestyle and it's, it's what we do, Jack. That's um, what's educated us and given us our upbringing on how we, how, we, how we treat the land and what we do to put the food on the table, really. Let's go and hear from the inaugural CEO for Grain Producers Australia, Colin Bettles. I'm Colin Bettles. I'm the Chief Executive of Grain Producers Australia and we're pleased to be working and partnering with Jack Creswell and the Farms Advice podcast. Grain Producers Australia represents Australian grain farmers and we work to deliver a more profitable and sustainable industry and getting the message out about what we actually do for growers through the Farms Advice podcast we think is a great way, probably mostly because Jack himself is also a farmer and he's speaking to other farmers with what he's doing with Farms Advice podcast. We think it's a great initiative. So whether you're sitting back in your header or if you're driving in the car from from one town to another and you're listening to the Farms Advice podcast and you like the work that GPA does, then feel free to get in and support us and support Jack and together we can help make our industry stronger and more profitable and sustainable. And now back to the episode. Yeah, I think it just comes back to the roots of where you've come from. But like some people say, it's pretty hard to get into ag if you're not a farmer's son or farmer's daughter. Um, But I think that is changing if you can go about it the right way. And if you want to become like a grain producer um, or livestock mixed farming like yourself there in WA, there's lots of things to love about agriculture. And I think it's really starting to show in the good years, but also this should follow on as we get the younger generation growing up and seeing what can be, what can happen within agriculture. So diverse at the moment. Absolutely. There's uh, and there's a lot of ways in at the moment, be it managing a farm or um, changing careers paths later on down the track when you've made a few bucks and, and that, but um, it certainly is challenging at times, but it's like any other job, any other business. Yeah, deal with it and you make the decisions accordingly. And and the rewards are there at the end if you put in the hard work, line or put all your ducks in a line and pull it off, and it should look pretty good at the end of that tunnel for it. But for yourself, how did you or why did you get motivated to represent grain producers, not only in WA but right across Australia? Well, what happened for me was is that, you know, you, you do what you do in, in your life. And um, I, I believe in farming. I believe in agricultural industry. And um, I, wanna, I wanna be part of making it, making it better for, for farmers, making more information out there for us, making sure the people who can affect us know really what's going on. And, and, and also, holding them to account really jack that's my biggest thing is holding them to account because a lot of people whilst they might think that's in the best interest of growers it actually doesn't fit into the farming world and um 
with diminishing returns, we all sort of make a bit more over a lot more these days to balance the books, um, except for, of course, on good years. Um, but the good years don't carry as many bad years as it used to. Yeah. So, so for me, it was, um, you know, put up or shut up, really. Um, so I was happy to get involved. First thing I learned when I got involved was how much I didn't really know. And, and then I suddenly realised that um, there was actually a lot in this for Barry to learn that would actually help me in my own business. So I sort of, um, it opened my eyes up and um, I could see the benefits. So I um, jumped, that's how I jumped into it. And then, of course, the um, old football club mentality, once you're in, you're in for life sentence, really. Yeah. And um, I've enjoyed every day. I've met some new friends along the way, colleagues, and be be that other farmers or be that be that in people in government, in the department and um, across the line. So I've been that. My strength. I just real. I can't. Um, you can't be everything to everybody. So I decided that at the time there wasn't there, like I've been doing it for the last. 12 years there wasn't a big focus on biosecurity at the time so I, I i put all my effort into learning about biosecurity market access and um the continuity all these things is carrying forth the um the knowledge of previous issues and what's gone on and how it affects everybody and making sure that we get good equitable decisions that um help the industry so I've, I've been involved in um, biosecurity for um, best part of 15, 18 years now, really. Um, Grampus producers, I've been doing it for 11 years, but before that, I had other interests in biosecurity um, in Western Australia. I was on the Biosecurity Council of Western Australia for a few years, been represented in state farming organisations and that, so I've put a lot of my strength and power into learning about biosecurity, and and really I like it because it's protecting protecting us guys, farmers. It's yep. protecting my future. Um, so that's that's been an easy fit for me, and um, to to go with to go down that path. Really, I've also done a bit on market access in the last um, best part seven eight years nine years, understanding our clients and, and, and the market and, and, and trying to um, deal with making sure things are fair and equitable to all of us. And um, so just really, they've been my two main strengths and, and I've tried to um, really be, be good at that. And, and I really have, I, I, with biosecurity, I feel that it's, um, it's an evolving space every day and, and there's a few issues there at the moment that we're trying to address. And, and the container trade's the, the biggest one at the moment I see that um, is sort of catching us out a little bit, cross-industry contamination. I'm, I'm pretty strong on developing how we deal with that. Um, I was just but, about to ask you what the biggest challenge was. So what, what is it? Well, for me, the biggest challenge is, um, is making sure that these containers coming into Australia are clean. And um, it's, it's, with, it's quite problematic with the amount of issues that we have at the moment that how many of them have come in containers. And whilst the container might not be 
to do with agriculture. It might be to do with something else. And um, so they see it as not a threat, but it wasn't clean in the first place. And the challenge is, is that we've gone from, you know, the amount of containers being used in this country now coming into this country and going out to what it was 20 years ago is, is just a far um, different scenario. So yeah. our challenge today is we really need to um, stand traceability forward and back yeah. and accountability of whoever's bringing the container in. And, and that's my biggest focus at the moment that I'm pushing on to um, come up with a plan here and deal with this. Um, because the last thing we want to do is um, ruin our trading partner because suddenly we've got some new incursion, um, some exotic that threatens our industry. Yeah, I see. Like that, if it does come in one incident, all it takes is a little bit of dry matter or something um, in that container and it can spoil the industry as a whole. Whether, like, that's interesting that it's not just ag related containers. Um, no, you're dead right. It's not just ag related. We're all in it together. We are all in it together. It's um, whether you're importing timber or you're importing um, fridges or anything that comes in a container or stuff or clothing or anything. We need to make sure that we're not throwing another industry under the bus. And, and I'm not saying it's a deliberate, but I'm just saying it's just a legacy of 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 this trade of con containers bringing stuff into this country yeah just one of the many facets that you sort of have to look at as yourself as your role with gpa and your greater role within the community of agriculture i suppose for that but for yourself like one thing for farms advice i'm trying to really grow and implement around the issue of um aligning profitability and sustainability on farm and telling farmers they are aligned. Um, it's not just going green and you're losing bottom dollar for introducing whatever it may be, if you're a livestock or a grain producer. What's your mission and GPA's mission on making this possible for growers across Australia? Oh, look, this space is going to evolve dramatically over the next 12 months. But the most important thing is we need a product that represents Australian growers, that its whole spirit and its theme is workable in Australian growers. At the moment, the grain that comes out of Australia is, is, is the most um, clean, efficient grain there is in the world. So we're already halfway there. So the, the real job is putting something in place that, that services the needs for looking after things, but relates properly to Australian grains industry. And um, it's, it's a watch this space at the moment and, and we're, we're trying to develop. And GPA's view is we will be more than happy to try and facilitate a policy that can take this forward. Yeah. And um, it's not gonna happen overnight. And, and there'll be a bit of resistance. But at the end of the day, we have to make it palatable to, to the Australian grower, that it, that it doesn't hurt his returns, that protects his returns. I think that's the goal. Yeah, I think, as you said, it's about consistency for the grower and they don't want to upturn their operation of how it works. They know best of how their farm works and dealing with the climate impacts on farm. But for you to 
develop a policy that might enhance how they can improve the one percenters, as we spoke about before, on farm and actually become sustainable within that. That will be a huge goal for not only individual farmer, but GPA as well. Yeah, well, it will be. And, and collectively, it won't be GPA. It'll be GPA and all the state farming organisations around yep. Australia. We're all in this together. Um, we, we have a great policy council that sits down. We have immense, robust discussion. And sometimes we don't all agree, but everyone listens to the, the other's view. And then collectively, we get a view and we'll get a model that represents growers. Yeah, I think it's going to really work more once farmers are on board with it. But you're a farmer as well, so great to have you setting the mould for how this policy creates movement and change for farmers to do a little bit more and have the guidance of the government backing them right the way through. Yeah, and you're right. The most important thing you raise here is that we get to road test it. Yeah. You know, um, every state farming organisation represented through our policy council their presidents are all farmers. So, you know, we get half a dozen farmers in the room from all across Australia and, and we get to road test it, that this is practical um, or no, this isn't going to work yeah. and will work. Something that works in another country is not doesn't necessarily work in this country or, or are they trying to get it to work here because it suits them better than us? At the end of the day, we'll get something in place that represents Australian growers and is in their best interest not their my best interest yeah as yeah. a grower yeah definitely and like that's an added benefit i was going to bring it up before about joining gpa if you can actually road test what's going on in there and you can be in the know of what's happening right before it happens in the media or whatnot or how it can actually impact your bottom line which is what we all want to do we want to bring ourselves up and have that bit higher benchmark so we can sit down and be comfortable in those years that we aren't going so well as well? 100%. We, we want as many growers getting in and having input in because the average just works for us and we get a model that represents us all and does the job. And we invite anyone to um, come into GPA tent through, their, through the state farming organisations or, or directs up to them. Um, but we encourage them to come through the state farming organisations and, and it strengthens everyone along the way. Yeah, couldn't agree more with that. I think like farmers coming together, uh, they love talking purely about farming and how they can improve it or just to see what their Joe Blow down the road's doing, see what they're up to, but which is really the group right across Australia of what GPA is trying to achieve. Yes, definitely. So... As chair of the GPA Policy Council, how does this process work and what outcomes are provided for that for growers? Well, how it works is we all, we all have, have quarterly meetings. Yep. And, and we put it, Colin, our CEO, puts a great deal of effort into our agenda and, and every state's welcome to put up um, products to the to 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 the agenda, so that we can all sit down and, and and then we we certainly keep a good eye on what's going on in the industry, things that coming along that we figure that could affect us. We're putting them to the policy council, and we will um, then talk about it, discuss it, and work out what's in growers' best interest to keep those returns in their pocket, 
and then we'll act accordingly and we'll take that to government and we'll be quite strong on on that view and and that view is of the australian grower yeah and we are we're stronger in numbers aren't we if the more farmers producers come on and have their input we'll have more information about how we can actually enhance their own operation as well absolutely we are stronger in numbers and but you know i i get it that the government wants once once a voice once once know what can we do what can we do to help you and it's up to us to facilitate that through gpa via through the policy council that we can go to government and say this is the view of farmers and and it might not be the view of every farmer but collectively this is what the mob is saying and um we take that in and 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 hopefully we um can facilitate some change to once again keep those returns in growers pockets that's what we're all about it definitely so what do you think is the most important thing about a governing body national body for grain producers across australia for the individual the family farmers out there oh it the most important thing for me is that we are accessible to any grower however big your your operation is does not make any difference to us we are very keen to hear from everyone because at the end of the day we are representing all growers and and we have through the state farming organizations again because we have this partnership and you and and we're i'm a grower too as as we've been talking about it's just really important that we can rep represent growers views and take it to the top really um and and so that we can affect change that keeps the profitability in agriculture and keeps producing a product and it's a win situation isn't it we're feeding everyone and we're making a quid i'm not sure um what else we really want for yeah definitely well 2022 is exciting time to be part as a farmer ourselves within australian agriculture and see how we can contribute to this hundred billion dollar goal at the farm gate so as everyone is talking about, um, and I think grain producers, grain growers are going to have a huge impact in how that is delivered. Yeah, look, absolutely. It's every year is an exciting year. Like growers are very optimistic, you know, could this crop be better than the one last time? I think most of us would be, be, be really hoping it is, but um, realistically, if we can get it, get average, I'm happy, but, um, we're always internally optimistic that um, we're going to have top yields for the next 10 years, really. <laughs> That's just the way we are. Yeah, absolutely. Without even looking out at how much the inputs are going to be for planning season this year, what, what one do you enjoy more, harvest or planning? Oh, no, I'm, I'm definitely a planter. I am. Harvest is great, but after you've done one week of harvest, you know the result. Yeah. So the game's over. You just got to finish the work. But planning everything's so everything. How you put it in, put it in the right way up. And uh, yeah, you know, I think I think that's where the most optimisticness is on what's going to happen for the year. Yeah. Yeah. It's like it's surprising. I like planning a lot more than what harvest was. We just bought our first header last last harvest, and um, so it's an eye opener to see how the workings for that. Um, but yeah, planning for sure. Yeah, I like planning. It's good fun. So Barry, 
what's a piece of farm's advice that you'd like to pass on to a grain producer out there that may be looking to see how they can improve their farm or even get involved with a farming body like yourself at GPA? Oh, look, I think um, I was once told when I started farming that there's never two seasons the same. And um, I thought to myself at the time, what a lot of bulldust. It can't vary that much. He wasn't really talking about the seasons, I don't reckon. <laughs> I reckon he was actually talking about you never know at all. Yeah. And, and, and we all have a good feeling for what might be the right outcome based on history and what we've experienced. But I think the number one thing is, is growers need representation because it's evolving every day. And um, we need to make sure that we can get the right messages through to GRDC or to the government on our money we're spending and make sure it's been spent in the right way to benefit us guys, to keep us on the land, to get the improvements in seeds and chemicals and keep the markets open and um, keep the tax system that it's not crippling farmers when they do get a bumper season and then they get a bad one a year later. There's so many variables, but I think the key is, is that we do need to collectively be together. Um, not necessarily all our views are 100% the same, but because um, discussion is always healthy, but then we can get the right outcomes going forward. Yeah, mate, beautifully put. Um, I think you're getting pretty busy over there. But, mate, thanks for coming on for this episode. A great way to lead it out with daughter coming in there. Um, <laughs> beautifully put. But it is all about family within farming, and so we want to set ourselves up better, which is a great timing. So kudos to her for coming in and joining the show. <laughs> in to the Farms Advice podcast. It is produced by Advertise Digital, the agribusiness marketing specialist. Go to farmsadvice.com.au for more information on this episode and the others before and spread the Farms Advice. If you love this episode, please give us a review on Apple Podcasts and subscribe as it helps other farmers find us too. But until then, next Tuesday, keep on farming. In the spirit of reconciliation, the Farms Advice podcast acknowledges the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respect to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.